Hello, and thank you for joining episode 10. This is the podcast that you can count on for reviews of old favorites, previews of new and upcoming stuff. Really, any news that is coming out of Hollywood, coming out of the movie industry, as well as fun trivia to get your mental movie motor running. This is Frank, a suburbanite in the Boston area, and this is the podcast, Silver Screeners. This episode in particular feels like a turning point. It's number 10, which means that the number of shows that I have in the can now is in the double digits, and that feels pretty good. It does. And I want to keep the show fresh, so I do have a few plans, or ideas at least, about the format that I'm going to be trying out little by little. First and foremost, in addition to asking a different trivia question in each episode, from now on, you'll find the same question posted to my social media once the episode goes live. It'll be right alongside the link. So that would be Film Buff 1974 on Twitter, Frank Mendoza 1974 on Instagram, and on my Facebook group. That is this podcast's namesake, and that is, of course, Silver Screeners. So yeah, every time a new episode is uploaded and posted, you'll find the question in that very same post. But again, it will be included in each episode recording as well. I'll still be verbalizing it, of course. I'm also excited to announce that I have been in contact with a handful of different people, and there are plans afoot to bring some of them on in future episodes, so there will be guest stars coming up in the future. Stay tuned for those updates as they arise. Silver Screeners may still be a youngin as far as podcasts go, but it is looking to branch off into new and different directions, and I'm pretty excited about that. And with all of that said, let's swivel towards last episode's trivia. So, last time, we had a top 10 countdown of the most memorable movie dads and father figures, and the trivia question that was put out there to you was Sean Connery. Sean Connery, who plays Indiana Jones' father in The Last Crusade, He won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for what 1987 crime drama starring Kevin Costner and directed by Brian De Palma? And the correct answer is The Untouchables, the true story of federal agent Elliot Ness, his attempts to bring down the infamous gangster Al Capone during the Prohibition era of the 1920s here in the United States. And the correct answer was submitted by Andrew Bennett. Drew, you got quite the winning streak going on there, buddy. Thank you for playing. Hang on to these personalized memes, by the way. If you think the garbage pail kids are worth something, just hang on to these memes. They will reap untold fortunes. I have been following Ben Spock Family Adventures, his daily vlog, Give it a look on YouTube. You can check out his recent reviews of Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, his thoughts on Fortnite and Funko Pop. You can enter his giveaways. He had one recently for, I want to make sure I get this right, the National Geographic Kids 2020 Almanac Giveaway. All of that on bensback.com. Before I give you all the new trivia question, let me tell you that one slight change to the format this time around is giving you the bulk of what I'll be telling you about the Goonies in the format of the top 10 fascinating film factoids, the big 10 fascinating film factoids. We will begin with a spoiler-free front-loading of the setup of the Goonies, and then I'll give you the friendly spoiler warning, and then we splash right into the big 10. So, Let's look out in the direction of the state of Oregon, which is the setting and much of the filming location of this 1985 movie. You can call this movie action adventure. You can call it a comedy. 
you might call it fantasy, kid, family film, whatever label that you want to slap on it. For me, The Goonies is a childhood staple, a sentimental favorite. And I know that that phrase is about as cliched and overused as it could possibly be, sentimental favorite, but it really does apply. This is a movie that I happily showed to my nephews and they both loved it, which means that it is carrying over into the next generation, which is not a bad thing in the slightest. This is a movie that has it all. You get one-eyed skeletons, you get doubloons, treasure maps, pirate ships, you get a broken statue of Michelangelo's David. You get baby Ruth candy bars. You get not so subtle plugs for Domino's pizza. And you even have a Cindy Lapa pop hit title track. As serving as the catalyst for the whole story, you have an evil swanky country club that's looking to take down this entire neighborhood to make a golf course. Throw in some throwbacks to Errol Flynn movies of the 1930s and opera singing Italian gangster, you heard that correctly, singing opera, exploding toilets, and now we are talking movie. It's also got a trio of Italian-American stereotypes who serve as the foils to this plucky group of seven friends, most of them misfits, and they call themselves the Goonies. But before we get into any of that, let me give you this episode's trivia question. Ready? Okay, so there is a character in the Goonies whose name is Sloth like the deadly sin. He's got some great lines, but probably one of his most famous is when he bellows, hey, you guys. Now you walk up to any Goonies fan and say, hey, you guys, and they will automatically tell you, oh yeah, that's the Goonies. That's what Sloth says a few times. And that is indeed accurate. However, Sloth is actually quoting from the opening credits to what 1970s kids show. I will give you a hint one of the cast regulars of this kid's show, a young unknown actor by the name of Morgan Freeman. The cast, uh, the cast of the show also includes Rita Moreno of West Side Story fame. And it's actually her and her powerful lungs that at the beginning of each episode, holler out, hey, you guys, before it launches right into the opening tune. So... Name that kid's show that aired on PBS from the early 1970s. It went on for six seasons and then lasted in reruns all the way up to 1985. Um, actually, now that I think about it, 1985, the, that's the very same year that the Goonies came out. So there you have it. Film Buff, 1974 on Twitter. Frank Mendoza, 1974 on Instagram. The Facebook group Silver Screeners. Simply an email will be great. Frank Mendoza at yahoo.com you will get a personalized meme and a shout out next episode for guessing what that kid's show is so the movie the goonies how does it begin it's set in the fall it's the autumn and we are in the state of oregon and the weather is pretty dreary now the movie begins, the opening shot, the establishing shot of the movie is the interior of the local jailhouse in town. It's set in Astoria. And there is a prison guard who is telling the inmates it's lunchtime and get going down the hall. And he's ushering them out of their cells and off to lunch. And they're shuffling out and they're grumbling and one or two of them even wearing sunglasses, and they just look perpetually miserable. And the guy does a head count and notices that he is missing one. 
one of them isn't with the rest. So he calls out down the hall of cells and says, hey, you, that's you too, come on, lunchtime. Makes his way towards the open cell and steps inside. He sees the missing inmate, presumably dead, having hanged himself. Now, I will stop here because if you have not seen the movie and you're saying to yourself, <laughs> I can understand that. So yes, flag in the play, but this is, this is a whimsical fantasy, this movie. This, is a, this isn't a swashbuckling adventure tale, so this is not anything that is overly gruesome or grim. Maybe by today's standards, these kinds of things are seen differently, but in 1985, it never intended to be anything more than escapist fare. So the guard walks over to the inmate and looks up at him in confusion. Suddenly, the inmate's eyes open, look at him, they look at him mockingly, and they cold cock the, the guard right in the face, and the guard goes down, he's knocked out cold. The inmate gets down from the makeshift hanging harness that it turns out he was wearing. Suddenly, cut to outside the jailhouse. And there is another guy. And we find out in just a few seconds that this other guy is the inmate's brother. And this is all part of a coordinated escape. So this guy who's outside, his name is Francis. And Francis is pouring gasoline all around the jailhouse as sort of a trap. And as he's pouring the gasoline around, the camera pans to the right and settles on a close-up of an older woman in the driver's seat of the getaway car. And she is looking mean and rough and tough. She is the mother of these two guys. So Francis finishes emptying the gasoline container. He hops into the car with mom and then get this, the inmate, whose name is Jake. Jake walks right out of the front door of the jailhouse, oh so casually, taking time to put on a hat and a scarf and goes right over nonchalantly to the getaway car that is right there in front of the jailhouse as if it's a pizza delivery. So Francis rolls down his window, shoots his gun into the gasoline on the ground to ignite a fire, and the fire erupts and it surrounds the jailhouse and traps the cops just long enough for this merry band of criminals to take off. So these criminals, there are three of them, two brothers and their mother, and the family name is Fratelli. Fratelli. These are the Italian-Americans that I was referring to. You have a fun, energizing music score kick in as a good old-fashioned police chase ensues. So you have Jake and Francis and their mother. The mother is just known as Mama Fratelli. She's never given a first name. Now, these two brothers, neither one of them is exactly the sharpest cheese on the cracker, and neither one of them really shows any brotherly love or devotion to each other. They would sell each other down the river if they had to. They fight over which one Ma likes more. Jake is the one who sings opera. They pull guns on each other when they're fighting over who ate the last of the pepperoni. So this is classic comedy shtick that pokes fun at Italian stereotypes. One word about Mama Fratelli I do want to mention. She's played by actress Anne Ramsey. And the seven actors who played the Goonies, they apparently all loved her dearly. If you take a look at the DVD commentary of the Goonies on the DVD, once the camera pans over and settles on her the first time that she appears in the movie, when she's waiting in the driver's seat, all seven of them in the commentary erupt into applause. 
So the love was certainly there for Anne Ramsey. She would actually be nominated for an Academy Award two years later in 1987 for Best Supporting Actress. She plays Danny DeVito's mother in a comedy that he did with Billy Crystal called Throw Mama from the Train. She is the titular mother in that comedy. Her final acting role was in the Bill Murray Christmas movie, Scrooged. It's a brief appearance. She plays a woman in a homeless shelter. I think she's only in one scene, maybe. Maybe two. I think it's just one. But the film, if I'm not mistaken, Scrooged, was dedicated to her. She passed away the right before it was released in 1988. So, but back to the opening credits of the Goonies. So you have all of the Goonies listed in alphabetical order. Hey, that's nice and fair. So um, <laughs> I did not get this as a kid. Maybe you did, and I was just a little slow in the uptake, but there is a running gag throughout the opening credit sequence. And that running gag is that all but one of the Goonies we are introduced to one by one, all but one of them miss this police chase. They just don't notice it for one reason or another. For example, you have the character Andy, played by Carrie Green. She is out there in the high school athletic field, and she's leading her fellow cheerleaders and doing the victory pyramid. And her back is to the street, so the chase goes whizzing past right behind her, and she's too caught up in playing the music from her cassette deck and doing the victory pyramid to notice a thing. Then you have Ricky who goes by the nickname Data. And he, the running gag for him, he has his own running gag throughout the film. He loves inventing things. He loves gadgets and technology. And so the, the thing is, is that they keep on failing. He's just, <laughs> he's, he's not good at it. He sucks at it. So what makes this uh, funny is that he just keeps on persevering. He is determined to invent something really great one day. He just keeps on trying. And that's admirable. But he shoots off this little dart from this uh, waistband, this belt that he's wearing. And the invention is supposed to, the dart has a suction cup at the end. So the invention, I'm guessing, is supposed to pull towards him whatever it is that the suction cup attached itself to. And it's a trash barrel. But the invention goes all haywire. And instead of pulling the trash barrel to him, he is pulled towards it. So he's pulled into the trash barrel headfirst. His legs are sticking up out of it. He's kicking his feet in the air. And so while he is preoccupied with this, the cop chase of the Fratellis goes whizzing right past him. Then we have Steph, played by Martha Plimpton. Now, I never quite got exactly what she was doing here. I think what she's doing is fishing for lobsters, but I could be wrong, but I think that's probably it because this is supposed to be a seaside town. So she is standing at the edge of this huge tank of water and she's leaning over it and her head is completely submerged and she's apparently fishing for something. I, when I was a kid, I thought maybe she was going for a missing baseball or something like that. But when she has her head underneath the water, that's when the Fratellis and the cops go racing past her. So she misses them too. She pulls her head out of the water once they're gone and she's, you know, wiping the water off her face. And I think it's a lobster that she tosses behind her. We are next introduced to Clark, who has the nickname, who's given the nickname Mouth 
because he never stops his own mouth from running. So they just call him Mouth because he's a wise guy. He's a teaser. He's just someone who's always got a, a wise crack for everything. He's pretty quick on the draw with an insult. So he is sitting in his kitchen and he's watching on the TV this old black and white cops and robbers movie. So the noise from the movie is blending in with the noise of the actual Fratelli chase outside his window. But to him, the noise is all blend into one. By the way, little piece of fun trivia. His father is next to him, fixing the pipes underneath the kitchen sink while he's watching the movie. And the father says to him, turn that TV off. I can't hear myself think. That guy playing his father was not a professional actor. He was one of the movie's camera operators named Nick McLean. What that has to do with anything, I have no idea, but a fun piece of useless trivia to impress your friends with. We are then introduced to Lawrence, who goes by the nickname Chunk. And he is the one Goonie who does see what's going on. He witnesses this chasing of the Fratellis. He's at an arcade. And so he's got a piece of greasy pizza in one hand. And he has a, a chocolate shake or frap or something in the other hand. And he looks out the glass window and he sees the chase. Oh, wow, a police chase, he calls out excitedly as he goes over to the glass and He's supposed to be clumsy and kind of mindless. And so he's smearing the pizza all over the glass. You have grease and sauce and he's got the chocolate frap smushed against the glass window. It spews the chocolate all over his face, the top of his head, his hair. He probably <laughs> was not too pleased, but at least he got a good ringside seat of this uh, police chase that goes whizzing past him. So, okay. So we have now met five of the seven Goonies and three of them go by these nicknames, Mouth, data and chunk and probably is worth mentioning that if the goonies were to be made today had it been made today i have the feeling that there would probably be different nicknames i cannot imagine in this day and age there being a character of an overweight kid he's always either eating something or talking about food he's the butt of fat jokes especially coming from mouth and his nickname is chunk I, something tells me that would not fly too easily in this day and age and uh, you also have of course data now data is played by kihai kwan who was short round in indiana jones and the temple of doom so having a character who is chinese american with a nickname like data and he's got a fairly heavy accent and he's in love with technology and electronics and gadgets i mean <laughs> make of it what you will but like I said, the movie is what you call a little dated in that respect, but it was the mid 80s. So these neighborhood kids, the neighborhood is called the Goondocks, and that's why they call themselves the Goonies. The opening credits end, and we are treated to this nice establishing shot, this view of the Goondocks, this neighborhood, this residential neighborhood. Camera pans slowly from right to left, and then it zooms in on this one particular house, and it is the house of the Walsh family, Mikey, his older brother, Brand, yeah, Brand Walsh, I do want to say for the record, the Goonies does predate Beverly Hills 90210 by five years, so the name Brandon Walsh, the Goonies did it first, so Mikey and his older brother, Brand, here they are at home, it's a Saturday, the weather is dreary, and they're both miserable because against their will, they're about to move, the whole neighborhood is about to move, the entire every house in the neighborhood it's all you know going through it's all a foreclosure the the country club is ready to build a golf course right where they put their heads down at night 
So the commiserating and the miserable talking about how much they're going to miss this place. And we're treated to a series of non sequiturs, some seemingly aimless little comedic bits where one by one, the Goonies come into the house and visit Mikey and Brand. You have Data, for example, who lives right next door. He zip lines from his top bedroom floor next door into the Walsh's living room window while playing the James Bond theme from his cassette deck, by the way. Uh, you have Chunk, clumsy Chunk. He has this tendency to drop things and to break things. And so he has the, in his hands, he has a tabletop statue of Michelangelo's David. He drops it on the ground and breaks off a significant piece. Just let your imaginations run wild. And what that statue is doing out when a lot of this stuff is packed up in boxes, I have no idea. You have Mouth, who is mocking brands for failing his driver's test. So like I said, it's just a series of seemingly random conversations. And the purpose it serves, I think, is to give us a good feel for, the, for their group dynamic. So they're all talking about how they don't want to move. And this is their last Goonie weekend together. And to cut right to the chase, I'm not going to give away too many details, really. They come across a treasure map because, after all, who doesn't? They come across this treasure map and Mikey has this idea. Hey, if we use this map, we follow this map, you know, we'll find the buried treasure that one-eyed Willie and his band of pirates buried back in the 1600s. We will find the jewels and the rich stuff and we'll be able to save our neighborhoods. We'll be able to buy back our property. We won't have to move. We'll stay together. So that's the plan. That is the plan. So they go out on this goony adventure with the treasure map in tow to try to save their neighborhood. And along the way, they have run-ins with the Fratellis. They, they're joined by Andy and Steph. They go underground, literally going underground. Um, they make their way through a series of corridors and mazes and tunnels and caves. And the Fratellis the whole time uh, in hot pursuit. Chunk gets, Chunk gets separated from the group at one point and finds an unlikely ally in a man who turns out to be the third Fratelli's son, but he's a good guy, and that is Sloth. Now, this is really disturbing if you think about it objectively. Sloth is, he has physical differences, he has trouble speaking. So Mama Fratelli and her two other sons, Jake and Francis, they keep Sloth chained up in the basement and they feed him only when they feel like it. And it's really, pretty upsetting if you think about it but sloth is a good one and he does figure into the plot pretty prominently later on that's all that you are getting at this point in time as far as the story goes so now let's get into the big 10 the behind the scenes stuff and please remember at this point moving forward beware there are spoilers here so if you need to hit the pause button to go bone up on the Goonies, now is a good time to, to do just that. But then definitely come back here because this is some good stuff we got here. So counting down, beginning with number 10. Number 10, Jeff Cohen, who plays Chunk. Remember the scene when he does the truffle shuffle at the beginning of the film in order to get into the Walsh's house for them to open the gate? He was embarrassed to do it for a couple of reasons. Number one. Uh, he had just recently gotten over a bout of chickenpox. He had gotten the chickenpox after being cast in the role, but before production actually began. And he didn't tell anybody because he was afraid that he would be fired because he wanted to make sure that he would 
you know, keep his job. He was nervous that he wouldn't be recovered in time. And he just, so he kept it a secret from, from, the, from the, uh, the director and the crew. If you take a look at the truffle shuffle, you can see on his stomach, you can still see a couple of the, uh, the remnants of the chickenpox virus on his stomach, a couple of, you know, red dots. In real life, in real life, the guy's actually very accomplished. In college, he was the president of the Associated Students of UC Berkeley. He left acting behind and is now a very successful entertainment lawyer. So, hey, who knew? Number nine, Sean Astin, played by Mikey, or as I call Mikey, the corny one. There is a film flub that stayed in the final print. Now, remember the scene? If you remember the scene when they are in the restaurant and they go down to the basement and Mikey is counting steps and he says, oh, right here, right here is probably where the treasure is buried. And he grabs a conveniently located fireplace poker and like an idiot, swings it down full force onto the concrete floor, thinking that a fireplace poker would break through the concrete. And Brand, his older brother, snatches the fireplace poker out of his hands and he angrily says to him, there's nothing buried under there, damn it. This is the 20th century, Mikey. And if you look closely, Pay attention to Sean Astin's next line, because what he is supposed to yell back is, there is something buried under there, Brand, but he screws up. And instead of calling him Brand, he calls him by his real life name, Josh, Josh Brolin. There is something buried under there, Josh, he says. You see it, you hear it, it is there in the final cut. Number eight, let's go back to Jeff Cohen chunk for a bit. <laughs> uh, remember the scene? when he is shoved into, unintentionally, of course, but he's shoved into the freezer with the dead body of the FBI agent that the Fratellis killed, or as Chunk refers to the dead body, the stiff. And the stiff comes sliding down on top of him, and he's panicking and trying to shove the stiff off of him, and he's calling out to his friends, look in the window and, you know, open the door, let me out of here, let me out of here. Richard Donna, who directed the film, said to him, just keep slapping at the body, just keep slapping at him and hitting him and trying to shove him off of you. There must have been some pretty good method acting involved because Jeff Cohen really got into it. And it reached the point where the actor who was playing the stiff, it was not a dummy, it was an actor. The actor playing the stiff finally just called out, God, the kid's beating the crap out of me. So <laughs> good job, Mr. Cohen. Number seven. Put this one on your travel bucket list, Astoria, Oregon, because every June 7th, beginning in 2010, June 7th is officially Goonies Day. On June 7th, 2010, the 25th anniversary celebration of the movie, the mayor of Astoria, where the movie is filmed and where it was set, he declared June 7th to be Goonies Day. I can only imagine the celebrations they must have. Number six, the director, Richard Donna, he was not, by God, going to let the kids be the only ones to have all the fun with that water slide. Every day when filming would wrap for the day, when everybody would go home or to their hotels or their trailers or wherever, he and the crew would, after the kids left, they would turn the pumps on after wrapping for the day. They would turn the pumps on and they would use the water slide themselves. And who amongst us would not, if we could? One other thing about Richard Donna, he also, to this day in his office, has the head of 
the one-eyed one-eyed Willie skeleton, not the whole skeleton. He's got the head of the one-eyed Willie skeleton to this day sitting right there in his office. Number five, production of the Goonies truly was a family affair. And I'll tell you why. Remember the scene at the end when they're all reunited on the beach with their families? That was, by the way, filmed at Bodega Bay, Northern California, which is the exact same area where Hitchcock filmed The Birds in 1963. But as far as the family affair thing goes, all of the, or most, most of the parents who come running towards their kids at the end when they're all being reunited with their families, a lot of the parents were the kids' real-life parents. Carrie Green, Andy, that was her real-life mother. Her mother was not an actress. She refers to this appearance as her debut and her swan song. Jeff Cohen, uh, Chunk, he's greeted by his mother, his father, and a younger sister, and a Domino's pizza box. That was his real-life mother and his real-life younger sister. Ki Hai Kwan, who plays Data. A little bit about him. He was born in Vietnam in 1971. He's, he's Chinese by ethnicity, but he was born in Vietnam during the war. And he and his family came over here to the States. And he met Steven Spielberg when he did Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom one year before the Goonies. And Spielberg cared a lot for him and cared for his family, wanted to help them out. So he knew that he wanted to put Ki Hai Kwan into another one of his productions. And that's how he ended up in The Goonies. And Family Affair, it extended apparently to his entire family as well. Remember when Brand runs next door and grabs Data's little sister off of her bike with the complete with training wheels and goes riding off and she's stomping her feet angrily saying, I want my bike, I want my bike. That was Ki Hai Kwan's real life niece, his sister's daughter, whose name was Lisa. So definitely keeping it within the family, this movie. Number four, beloved actress Anne Ramsey, who played Mama Fratelli. Now she plays a character who is cold-blooded and bloodthirsty, has no problem keeping her son chained in the basement, has no problem terrorizing seven kids and planning to kill them, making them walk the plank. In real life, Anne Ramsey was terrified of that scene when she had to make the kids all walk the plank. Carrie Green, who plays Andy, her hands are tied with a rope, and she's walking backwards towards the plank because Mama Fratelli is prodding her along with her machete. Apparently, Carrie Green, in one take, missed the plank and went overboard. Now, whether or not that was a factor, I don't know, but Anne Ramsey apparently was terrified of walking towards the plank from that point on. Number three, Data. Data is not a liar. What do I mean by that? Remember the end when you have the jewels discovered in Mikey's marble bag and everything seems to be working out all hunky-dory? The reporters and journalists, they all descend upon the Goonies and begin asking them, hey, so what happened out there? Were your lives in danger? Data is the first one to answer. And he says, the octopus was very scary, very dangerous. And I've talked with people over the years who said he was lying. What octopus is they, are they talking about? So the thing of it is, is that there was a scene with an octopus that was actually deleted. 
right after they come out of the water slide as they spot the pirate ship for the first time. They're making their way across the water. There was a scene initially where there was an octopus in the water and it wrapped its arms or tentacles or whatever you call <laughs> whatever you call those eight things that an octopus has. And it's got, you know, some of the goonies and its clutches. And Data takes out his cassette player. And he throws in a song, a really loud song, and it's called Eight Arms to Hold You. And he throws the cassette deck into the octopus's mouth, and the octopus then recoils and relinquishes its hold and goes swimming off, and they're all saved. So apparently the effect visually just did not work. Apparently they took a look at the footage and said, this thing looks so fake. This is the worst visual effect in the history of cinema. So the scene was scrapped, but for whatever reason, they left Data's line in when he says to the reporters, the octopus was very scary, very dangerous. Take a look at the end credits, by the way. If you take a look at the end credits where they list all the songs, that song, Eight Arms to Hold You, that was the song that was playing in that deleted scene. That's the song that Data played on his cassette deck. Number two, during production of The Goonies, several famous faces came by to visit and to watch the filming. Among them, Harrison Ford, which makes sense because he and Spielberg, of course, worked together on Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford and Ki Hai Kwan, I would imagine, had a nice heartwarming little reunion. In addition to Harrison Ford, there was another visitor, and that visitor was Clint Eastwood. Now, Clint Eastwood watched about 15 minutes or so of the filming and then turned to Richard Donner. Richard Donner, the director of The Goonies. Now, Richard Donner, before becoming a director, had taken a stab at acting, and I think he only has like a few TV guest appearances to his credit, nothing much. And... Eastwood apparently turned to Donner after watching about 15 minutes and said to him, you ever think about going back to acting? So not exactly the biggest, not the most uplifting morale boost, but there it is. And finally, number one, Richard Donner, the director. Now, he also did the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie in 1978. So Richard Donna loved working with these seven kids, but it was a five month long shoot. And by the time they got to month number five, everybody was at the end of their rapidly fraying ropes. They were getting on each other's nerves and the magic was gone. I mean, it was the final two weeks of filming and they'd all just had enough of each other. They, they needed a break. And so directing these seven high energy kid actors for Donner, at least, was not always jello and pudding. During the production, he said, and I quote, it is the most difficult thing I ever thought I was going to get into. I never anticipated what it was going to be like, because individually, they're wonderful. They're nuts. They're the warmest, craziest little things that have come into my life. But in a composite form, you get them all together, and it's mind-blowing. And so Steven Spielberg, his best memory was the last two weeks of filming. Richard Donner was going nuts with the energy and the noise of these kids who all themselves had had enough. So Donner turned to Spielberg and said to him, I've had it. I'm done. I'm toast. Once all of this is over, I'm going to my home in Hawaii. I need to lie low for a while. So Spielberg listened to him and said, mm, good idea. Yeah. Once you're done, go to Hawaii, to your home, take it easy and, you know, just try to try to recharge. 
However, Spielberg had different plans in mind. He had a prank in mind. So he took the whole cast aside, the seven, the seven goonies aside, the seven kid actors. And once they finished filming with the permission of their parents, he put these seven kids on a plane and sent them to Hawaii, an American Airlines flight off to Hawaii and sent them to Richard Donna's house. They arrived before Richard Donna did. So there he is arriving at his Hawaii house and just looking for some rest and relaxation, looking to decompress. And he opens the door, steps inside, thinks he's walking into an empty home. And there in his living room, all seven goonies screaming and waving and opening their suitcases and throwing their clothes around. Martha Plimpton, who plays Steph, she said, and I quote, he dropped to his knees and turned white as a sheet. So there you have the Big Ten behind the scenes fun facts on the Goonies. And got a treat for you, a bonus one. Go onto YouTube and type in the Goonies reunited apart Josh Gad, G-A-D. Yes, the guy who is the voice of Olaf from Frozen. Go into YouTube and type in Goonies Reunited Apart, Josh Gad, and you will find a video that was posted April 27th, 2020. It's about 25 minutes long, and Josh Gad hosts a Goonies reunion, a virtual Goonies reunion over Zoom. Not only does he have all seven Goonies actors in this one Zoom, but he also has Steven Spielberg, Cindy Lauper, who sang the song, The Goonies Are Good Enough, the director, Richard Donner, and the writer of The Goonies, Christopher Columbus, who would go on to become a director in his own right with the first two Harry Potter movies and Mrs. Doubtfire. And it's a fun reunion to watch. They reminisce and tell each other stories, and they even reenact a handful of scenes over the Zoom. And they even bring in the two surviving Fratelli brothers, the two actors, Joe Pantoliano and Robert Davi. They bring in the two Fratelli brothers as well. So this really is a, it's a pretty big honking reunion. And it's probably some of the best 25 minutes that I ever spent on YouTube. So enjoy. And time to move into the final bit of business. I had put out there on social media, I asked for your votes for your favorite Goonie. I threw this, po this poll out there on Twitter and on Instagram, as well as the Silver Screeners Facebook page, the Facebook group. And by the way, don't forget to join. And at first, it looked like the results were going to be pretty tight, but there was a clear victor who emerged from the pack. And the most popular Goonie, the favorite Goonie is... According to you voters anyway, Mikey, Mikey Walsh, played by Sean Astin. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm surprised. I honestly thought that Chunk was going to be the one to pull off the slam dunk, but I guess the voting is just not over till it's over, as they say. So congrats, Mikey. I'm sure that Sean Astin is a faithful listener of Silver Screeners. And Mr. Astin, I'm sure you're quite pleased to come out on top of the Goonies heap. But uh, just for the record, let me give you the breakdown. Kerry Green, who plays Andy. Andy got one vote. Brand, played by Josh Brolin, got one vote. Mouth, played by Corey Feldman, got two. Data, played by Kihai Kwan, got four. Chunk, 
played by Jeff Cohen, got nine. And Mikey came out on top with a whopping total of 11. And you know what else? There was even a write-in. <laughs> there was even a write-in for Sloth. And after that write-in, Sloth proceeded to get two more votes for a total of three. This was in the Facebook group. So Sloth, a write-in, got a total of three votes. And the only Goonie who did not get any votes was Steph, Martha Plimpton's character. Some of the comments that came in include, Mikey, he never gave up. There was also a data pinchers of hell. Someone else said mouth 100%. And through email, WTF did I just watch podcast? That is the name of their podcast. WTF did I just watch podcast says chunk. How stereotypical is it to say he was my favorite? So thank you to all of you who voted. And Jay, thank you for writing in sloth because that guy is indeed a national treasure. So that just about does it for episode 10. Thank you as always for listening. And if you could kindly give me just a few more seconds of your time, please go and give this podcast a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that's Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever. It would be very much appreciated. It really does help with the algorithms to get more people aware of this, of this labor of love. Even better, if you want to leave a quick review, that would be really helpful as well. Really appreciated. Don't forget to send in the name of that 70s children's show where Hey You Guys comes from for this episode's trivia. You can email me at frankmendoza at yahoo.com. Reach out through any of my social media platforms. Just look up Silver Screeners on Facebook or search for my name, Frank Mendoza, in Twitter and Instagram. And Mikey, you were voted the favorite Goonie, so we will wrap this up with your words of inspiration. Quote, Goonies never say die, end quote. So thanks again for listening. And as always, I am Frank and keep on screening. See ya.